This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's time for the Wrestling Inc. AEW Dynamite After Show, and have we got a show for you. FTR and Blackpool Combat Club are on the warpath. Speaking of warpaths, Wardlow's on a warpath, and someone who's just got a crazy schedule, Orange Cassidy. We got so much to chat about, but before we get into all of the news allow me to introduce the crew i'm jack being joined by isa and matt matt it it's been a little bit how how are you feeling how are you doing today i'm great i'm great it's great to be here on wrestling inc you never know who you're gonna get i got the lovely isa i got the great host jack farmer sometimes it's a referee jimmy corderas is here other times glenn's here and we talk about music and tacos so you never know what you're gonna get with wrestling inc but y'all two are my favorites don't tell them I said that. <laughs> oh, you say that to all the hosts, Matt. <laughs> Just don't tune in. Don't tune in next week, and we'll be good. <laughs> but, uh, but Issa, uh, I used to, you were traveling the world last I chatted to you, going to every single event that all the big companies are throwing. Uh, I'm surprised you're not in Perth right now, but you're here with us. How are you, how are you doing? Yeah, that one is a little too long for the amount of days that I would go for with the jet lag and the amount of traveling, like the time traveling. It just didn't make any sense um, to do Perth. And of course, as you know, I do watch along on my YouTube channel. So sometimes I like to sit back and watch them from home so that I can watch them with, you know, my, my lovely subscribers. So no, 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 but, but I am going to get up at 6 a.m. Puerto Rico time. And we're going to watch Elimination Chamber live on my channel. So tune in. It's, um, you know... 
uh, as Dylan Matthews says, uh, one of our Australian correspondents is letting us know that uh, Wrestling Inc. host Flobo Boyce is actually in Perth as we speak. He actually, just, I just texted him and he said he just landed. Uh, so he will be at Elimination Chamber, which is pretty cool to hear. Uh, Spencer Webb, uh, thank you so much for the shout out. Uh, I, I like it because Jack is the face and Issa is the heel. Uh, I, and then nah. Matt is that tweener that... Uh, you know, like him or you hate him, I guess. <laughs> so, also, it's so good to be here with Matt. I feel like Matt has been popping in, doing his guest appearances. And for I, I, he said I'm his favorite, and I'm happy because I thought he was avoiding me. For some reason, I never get Matt anymore. He gets Jack, he gets Glenn, he gets everybody but me. So, here we are again, Matt. He's been too long. Well, we're going to make it for lost time uh, today, for sure. <laughs> I have a feeling we're all going to fight today. I have a feeling this is going to be a, a crabby episode. Uh, before we get into all the the, the nitty-gritty of it, uh, I felt like this was just a... I, I wrote on Twitter, uh, or X, as the kids call it these days. This felt just like a very complete episode. It felt like everything told a story. It felt like everything had a reason. I felt like the stars looked like stars. We're going to get into the news in a little bit, but I just want to go around the horn here real quick. Matt, you said we're not the same. I got a feeling we're going to fight about this episode. Uh, did you like Dynamite tonight? I thought they knocked it out of the park. You know, it was an entertaining uh, two hours of TV as a wrestling fan. Unfortunately, you know, I'm so obsessed with the background stuff and I'm so obsessed with the business that I want AEW to do well. So a lot of times my entertainment is tempered by things that I see that are easily fixable, in my opinion, that would help them grow as opposed to what they're doing. So it's hard to balance that sometimes. And I just see these things that can be frustrating sometimes. You know, I think that's where we are different is because I have absolutely no, <laughs> I don't think about the business at all. I'm just like, well, did I enjoy this? Sweet. Like they could have, they could be like, yeah, we just paid $20 million for someone to sit in the front row yeah. for five seconds. And I'd be like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, the secret is you just don't enjoy anything. And then you can look at things like that. It works out. <laughs> uh isa you're the one in the middle box today do you feel do you feel like this is a good good event this aew dynamite i thought it was mid my entertainment was tempered by the lack of entertainment jack <laughs> i don't know what you watch <laughs> i thought i did not i mean there was some high points in the show i will i will go ahead and say there was a few things that i did enjoy but overall enjoyment yeah no Really? I well, I feel yeah, a you like bit, everything. You like everything. I feel a little bit like Adam Page on a team against two of my opponents coming up at Revolution. Uh you have you a guys... creepy mustache though. You know? <laughs> yes. I would grow a mustache if I could, Isa. This is about as far as it goes. Um but we uh as everyone gathers in, uh, I want to make sure to say thank you guys for being here. Like, comment, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review on Apple, leave us some comments in uh, YouTube. I'm trying to do a better job of going in and responding to those. So if you have anything you want to say, uh, go ahead and pop in there and I'll say hello back and respond to those. Um, that's hey, sometimes cool... if you're yeah. really lucky, Jack will just say thank you and your username. And that's the kind of interaction yeah. you get at wrestling. Inc. That's <laughs> Hey, now sometimes I do that. <laughs> those are the best ones. Um, but we Thank have you, a... River Dance 420 for your comment. <laughs> River Dance 420. One of our greatest viewers is River Dance 420. 
Um, uh-oh, Danny's saying that I'm going to put Matt in the rancher category. People who don't know this know about me is as a farmer, there's one type of person I can't stand, and that's ranchers. It's a long story. I won't get into it now. Uh, but um, we, uh, I want to talk about some news. And first off, it's going to be about AEW. Um, AEW hired former WWE senior writer and soap opera producer as VP of content development, as confirmed by Sports Illustrated. Former WWE senior writer Jennifer Pepperman was has signed with AEW, where she has assumed the role of the company's vice president of content development. Pepperman will work beside Tony Khan, where she will focus on producing content for live programming. Pepperman recently left her position as a senior writer and producer for WWE after nearly seven years with the company. Dave Meltzer wrote in a recent edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that Pepperman's main focus was the SmackDown women's division and that it was her decision to leave the company. It has also been well-documented that Pepperman has a very strong relationship with former WWE star Sasha Banks, better known today as Mercedes Monet, who is heavily rumored to be joining AEW in March at the Big Business TV special that the company is running on March 13th. Uh, Issa, I know nothing about um, who writers are and what they, they work on, and so I'm taking everything I just read at face value here. But if it is, if this is accurate... I would think that if AEW is signing Mercedes Monet, this is probably something she wanted to see happen as well. And it might speak well for the future of the women's division. If you have someone who has been producing and writing and booking a very strong women's division over the past seven years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that it's a good move. Um, I think that Monet could be a game changer only if creative and book properly, not just her, the entire division. You cannot count on Mercedes Monet to just like magically make people tune in and want to watch this division. So I do think that the backup and, and the, the, the women's division historically has just not been booked properly on AEW. So I, I have no problem with somebody saying, hey, maybe we should just give it to somebody that has the experience, reach out to the big star you're bringing in. You have any suggestions? Let's see how it goes. Because honestly, from a few of the things that you've seen from the AW Women's Division, I feel like anything is an improvement. So we'll see where it goes. But I think it's a smart move. Yeah, this is... Um, I mean, I, Matt, I think a lot of people uh, have echoed a lot of what Issa said, where I think there's been a lot to be desired from the use of the Women's Division. I always feel like... I want to be careful when I say... When I talk about the Women's Division, because I think everyone would agree there's a ton of talent there. There's a ton of opportunity there. I think a lot of time it's the amount of time they get and the stories they're given. But if this is a move to add to that, this has to be looked at as a positive move, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it appears that uh, it's very similar as if, like, say, The Rock went back to WWE, which he did, and they installed Brian Gewertz as, like, the head mm -hmm. writer, you know? Uh, there's someone, uh, it's Monet's person, but it's also someone who uh, has a position that AEW and Tony Khan have always needed. At the same time, Tony Khan is Tony Khan. It's been five years. We know what the guy's going to do. You know, He's going to put matches together that get him excited. He's going to be kind of uh, beholden to the moment of how he feels. He's going to try to do right by wrestlers. He's going to try to put matches together. Regardless of what the, of the content is or the creativity is, it, it always kind of goes down to what Tony wants to do. So uh, the impact... Uh, probably will be not that much. Well, I think on the um, on the positive side, what I, I always try to look at, like 
I, of course, I'm a, a positive guy. Uh, and I just try to look at the bright side until proven wrong. And so I hope that I get, and I get what you guys are saying. I, Tony Khan, the buck stops with him. My hope is that someone like Pepperman being there, especially with someone like a uh, Mercedes Monet, if she's there, is there. It's a little bit more leverage pitching these stories than someone who maybe hasn't done a lot except for on the indies saying, hey, maybe we should focus on me for a little bit. But I think when you have maybe a Mercedes Monet and someone who's shown experience in WWE now pitching these stories, it'll hopefully have a little bit more weight in the writer's room as opposed to, like I said, just someone going, hey, let me do something. Let me win a lot of matches or whatever the case may be. Again, I, mean, I don't know. Clear, I'm, I'm up there. I, I would assume she would already have that kind of pull in there. CM Punk had that pull. MJF has that pull. He writes his own creative um and uh you know the bucks have that pull chris jericho has that pull like i don't know if it gets her more by having a writer in there um you know there i think the rest of the locker room is you know tony Khan just tells them what to do but i think mercedes what we see is going to be something mercedes wants to do mm -hmm. and i would say absolutely that that's probably how it should be i mean she's someone who has probably earned that right she knows what she's doing you know i always say there's there's few people in in media, let alone in pro wrestling, that have developed a fan base that is more than just a fan base, but is a rabid fan base. And I would say Mercedes is one of them. CM Punk is one of them where she knows how to get people invested. So if she says, hey, we should do this, you should probably listen. The Crybabies. If you want to listen to the Crybabies, listen. No, I'm just saying they're a strong fan base, the Crybabies. They are an absolutely strong, very strong. I'm, just, I'm being inclusive of them. Yeah, no, I wish I talk negative about them. I'm actually including them here. See, I feel like calling them the Cody crybabies, by the way, is almost endearing at this point. <laughs> but, you would, you probably are one of them, and you will feel that way. Just you know, it probably uh, makes them feel better. They're like, Yeah, we're crybabies. Like, it's not the flex that you think it is. I'm a Cody crybaby, but I also hold I know you one. are. I know you are. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we got some news from the WWE I want to touch on before we get into the AEW talk where we gush all about this week's event. Um, I I also actually real quick, where did it go? Uh, Pile Driver Finisher says I'm here for Issa. So shout out to you, Issa. Um, so, of course, there's been some news over in WWE that's been breaking over the past few months. Some pretty devastating news that... It's frankly a little uncomfortable to talk about, but two of the biggest stars in WWE chatted about it, uh, John Cena and Randy Orton, uh, about the allegations against Vince McMahon. Uh, Orton said, I've got to say this, I, would not, I wouldn't be where I am without Vince McMahon taking a chance on me a handful of times. I would not be where I am today without Vince McMahon, but F, I'm reading this S, <laughs> would you... Uh, what you've seen in red, I've seen in red. As far as commenting on that, effing hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. John Cena then said, not together, but he also said, uh, right now what I'm going to do is love the person I love. Be their friend. There's the saying, you don't know who your friends are until S hits the fan or your back is against the wall. That doesn't make any of what's going on any easier to swallow, but just telling somebody, hey, I love you, man, this is going to be a hill to climb. We're going to see what happens. It sounds so cliche, but it has to be one day at a time. At the same token, I've openly said I love the guy. I have a great relationship with the guy, so that's that. 
Um, Issa, it's obviously these, the allegations are absolutely horrible. And what Vincent Mann has been accused of is absolutely horrible. And there's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot to take in, but it's it's got to be for guys like Cena and Orton who, I, I guess, I don't know, if you know someone and you they're a good person to you your whole life and then you hear this stuff, it's it's got to be hard to react. Uh, what is your take on uh, the approach both these guys took? Yeah, um, yeah, right? Like, I feel like we all have a little bit of a blind eye to loved ones, friends, families. We can't relate to the positions that either one of these guys are in. Uh, John Cena has always been very outspoken about his relationship with Vince and, and always stands up for him. You know, I like what Randy Orton said off off topic, but that entire Sports Illustrated interview from Randy is an incredible read. I suggest everybody goes read it. I thought it was a great uh, interview. But I, I did think that Randy handled it a little bit better because he did take the time to say, hey, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have what I have without him. But that doesn't make reading this any easier. When I play devil's advocate, because I like to look at things from every single perspective, right? From mm -hmm. every single perspective. And from John Cena's perspective, the way that I see it is, and not just John Cena, just public figures in general. If you're going to ride or die for your friend who did something really, really screwed up, why make it public? I will feel like I wouldn't expect my loved ones and my friends to go out into the public eye and put their neck on the line when they're also public figures. Like, it doesn't need to be out there and that th there should have been a way to shut that down and if you want to support him behind the scenes then do it but i feel like there should be a mutual understanding there that he doesn't have to be making these comments because it's just it's not a good look not with what the accusations are right now it's not i thought randy handled that a lot better and it felt more real it didn't feel rehearsed it's just a pr answer everything that comes out of john cena's mouth sometimes where randy we just felt more real and more understandable yeah, Matt, it's it's interesting because a lot of people have kind of echoed what Issa said about John Cena sounding like the corporate PR guy. Yet, ironically, I feel like, at least based on what my Twitter has said, more people are half, I don't know if happy is the right word, but agree with a Randy Orton and his approach and really don't like the way John Cena handled this situation. Um, it's, it's such a, a weird spot to be in. Now I know you know you know some people, Matt, and I've never been in this situation, but you've seen you know some people who have had had fans coming at them in certain ways. It, what's it like to to know someone and have to not defend them, but also not? I, I guess I don't know how to how I'm asking this question, but it's it's tough when you know somebody who is accused of something. And you can't necessarily take a side, but at the same time, you don't want to leave your friend high and dry. It, 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 taking the severity of the allegations aside, it's kind of a weird spot for them to be in, if that makes sense. It is, but there's also more than one option here. You know, um, if in your real life, let's say you're not a wrestler, and you know somebody who did some Vince McMahon stuff, you know someone who did some terrible stuff, and, you know, the world falls apart, guys in jail was a close friend of yours you feel empathy you feel like what am i a friend if i if i don't reach out at least do i am i the last person who abandoned this person you know mm -hmm. then you do it and you kind of keep it a secret 
You don't go on the Howard Stern show and also be John Cena where you're a model to people. That doesn't work at all, you know, as far mm-hmm. as that. And so that's why, you know, that that's a much better option. Um, as far as everybody else, listen, I am Jack Farmer. I am a mere guitar teacher. I'm not a lawyer. Not a PR You're person. a great if, guitar teacher. I'm pretty good. I'm really good. That's true. But mm. in if I worked at WWE and I was in PR, I would tell everybody associated with WWE, shut up. Shut up. Unless your name is Cody Runnels Jr. You do not have permission to comment on this. If your name is Cody Runnels Jr., you can comment on this. Everyone else, shut up. Because no one's saying really what they feel anyway. That's not Randy Orton unfiltered. That's not John Cena unfiltered. It's just PR stuff. Just shut up. Mm-hmm. Probably the best way to handle it. Probably the best. Probably You're probably not going to get a better answer than that. Um, tough spot everyone's in, and it's a horrible situation. And ugh, I don't want to talk about it anymore, so I'm going to move on from it. I Thank think. you. Thank you. Uh, um so uh yeah we're gonna move on we're gonna talk about aew dynamite again uh an event that i thought was fantastic but before we talk about it as always like comment share subscribe if you're one of the lurkers in the chat who's just hanging out not saying anything still glad to see you here still glad you're hanging but if you are in the chat if you're sinister saying hello early on in the chat or or ricky zaldivar with the isa raid or i am era error who always hangs out before the show and then disappears once the show starts uh aaron mick of course carrie johnson daniel barry tommy oh killer of demons uh raul gonzalez wayne joycey uh danny carl mike uh stalking you with a little puppy emoji uh clay ford g ramsey mark smith uh thank you all for being here john c with the lurking time (laughs) i love it uh thank you guys for being here um let's talk about this show show that i thought was a great show you Uh, said that jack but that's not the case did i mention that Dave Meltzer's giving this a five-star review. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He's probably watched a show from 10 years ago. He probably watched a WCW show from 2001, and it's confusing it with this. (laughs) Let's talk about it. So we start. John Moxley and Claudio take on Cass Wheeler and Dax Harwood. Hard-hitting sort of modern spin on the old-school wrestling match. It goes the distance. It goes 20 minutes. We get the time limit draw post-match. A fired-up FTR says that they want a match at Revolution. Um, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Start here. I thought this match was fantastic. I loved it. I will say, I'm going to preface, I feel like I think the complaint everyone's going to have here, and I, I agree with you, even though I say that I love this show. I feel like every time I hear... Justin's voice say 15 minutes left, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a time limit draw. What what did you think of the match and where they're going with these teams? Um, you know, I love Dax. You know, I love Dax and Cash. You know, like you know, and mm-hmm. and and Moxley and Claudio are fantastic. So these were four very good wrestlers wrestling very well. Uh, Dax, he just he gets better every time. Like he's he's really got and Cash is a wild man. They look great. Um, 
I'm not sure what the point of the story is because they said we're going to wrestle you in our area, the tag team area. The only way this match should have gone was FTR using the tag team format with the rules enforced dominated the two singles wrestlers who would beat them in a one-on-one, you know, and that's, that's kind of the story that'd be told, but they went the distance in a tag team match. What's the feud? You know, I, I just, and also like if Claudio's the bad guy, why is he doing the swing? Like you don't, it's a, it's um it's missing storyline elements for me. This was in my notes here. Um, it's not the most Shakespearean way to write a story here, but there's a lot of emotion coming from these teams, Isa, and I feel like that carries a lot of the weight for me sometimes. I will say I agree with Matt. I hate that Dax took the L last week and it was a draw this week. I feel like Blackpool Combat Club is acing these guys right now. Uh, but I know Revolution is going to be awesome. These guys are fired up, and I'm a huge fan of both teams. Uh, what? How did you feel about the start of this match? How did you or this show? And how did you feel about this match? And how do you feel about the guys in it? I just thought that it went on uh, for too long for a match that we're going to see again in a couple of weeks. Like this match went on for a half hour, and then they were like, "Guess what? We're going to do it again at Revolution." And you're like, "Great, can't wait." Um, the the time draw thing, they just have to stop doing it. In AW, mm -hmm. it's just such a it's such a cop-out. It's such it, a cop-out. Go ahead, man. I was going to say, unless you do it every match, like the announcements. I don't mind the announcements yeah. every match. Just not right. once in a while when it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it was It was, It was. was a strong match, and I liked it. But then it kept going, and it kept going. And they just keep, they keep doing this a lot, just starting the show with a very long match. And I do like starting with action names that you know, people that you like, but... Once it goes into the third segment, it's like, all right, well, what are we doing here? You know, like, it's just, I'm just not not a fan of the long match, especially for them to end it by telling us they're going to do it again in two weeks. But overall, yeah. was it a strong match, the match itself? Yeah, it was It was good, but I, I don't feel invested. I don't know what's been missing. I, I just don't feel invested in this. They're, they're going to put on a banger at Revolution. I have zero doubt about it am i emotionally invested no i could care less and that bothers me uh pile driver finisher says loved y'all's podcast talking about wrestling psychology of matches matt uh so shout out to their uh pocket yeah, full of I, heaps says oh, and, and i did i did text like uh dax like a way too long text uh pitching the exact idea i said i said y'all should dominate them because of teamwork mm -hmm. you know and he's like, yeah, great idea, man. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I need to yeah, stop doing that. I need to, yeah. Uh, well, I don't think, I don't know if he necessarily gets to make that call. Uh, Pocket, uh, Pocketful Heap says, can we end this Blackpool group yet? Um, I will say with the, one of my gripes about the, uh, the them portraying the Blackpool Combat Club as bad guys is no one hates this team. No one hates Claude. No one will ever hate Claudio. I'm sorry, Claudio. You're too lovable. You're talented. You're too lovable. I'm never going to boo you. I'm never going to be like, boo, Claudio's doing amazing stuff. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen, you know? So I don't, so that level, I, I'm bummed out about it. But again, I feel like this is something that, and I agree with you, Matt. I think that they should have won. I think FTR should have won, maybe an attack afterwards to lead it into It makes so much a, sense rematch, what Matt but... said. With, with Moxley beating on, on the singles, a single star beating the tag team guy uh, last week, it wouldn't make so much sense. 
please stop, Wayne, right now, stop. Ain't nobody missing you. Um, and so, uh, of course, uh, Maria agreeing with me about Dynamite tonight. So, I, I again, I think that I, I think that this was – I enjoyed it. I'm in on it because I like the team, so I like seeing them fight. Uh, I have two questions. Great analogy, I, I, Jack. <laughs> I have a question for you, Matt, because I brought this up last week. And I think you are uniquely qualified to talk to me about this. Um, is, it a, is it a restaurant question? It's a guitar question. No, um, we no. It's I love FTR. I love tag team wrestling. Love FTR. I love Cash Wheeler. But there's something about Dax Harwood that I want to see him have a singles run. I want to see him have like a legit, solid, winning a title kind of singles run. What say you about that? Would you like that, or would you be against it Uh, for the sake of FTR? No, I'd love to see that because those guys are close and they're always going to be close. And there's going to be, they're always going to be a tag team, no matter what, you know, um, I would love to see that. I think, you know, he's had such great singles matches. <laughs> Something we always joke about is he, he has no wins. Like he, he's, we're like, yeah. well, you lost less last time, you know, or something, you know, because he always loses the singles matches, but man, he is connecting in a different kind of way. And I want to say the podcast helped with that a little bit in that people saw that what you saw on screen with Dax is what you got off screen with Dax. And sometimes it seems maybe implausible, but there's a there's a genuineness to that that people are starting to connect to. But Cash Wheeler is a madman, and I think he could also be a huge single star. He is in the ring. He has been out of control lately, man. He was he's he's really doing well. Yeah, I want to just because I agree. I like Cash Wheel as well. The only reason I say Dax in this situation is because I think Cash has only had the one singles match that I can remember. So I, I just don't see him do it as often as Dax. I think that's why I gravitate towards Dax going solo. Uh, but I like Cash Wheeler as well. Um, Isa, now this is my my question for you. You are the new GM of a new tag team division, right? And you get to pick and draft teams from wherever you get to pick for your new fantasy tag team division, FTR or John Moxley and Claudio with the one caveat, they have to be tag team. You don't get John Moxley, the singles wrestler. You don't get Claudio, the singles wrestler. You're making a tag team division. Which team do you draft? Moxley and Claudio. Why? I don't know. I was looking at this match and I think everybody has different opinions, different tastes, but I'm looking at it. And the first thing that I can't help but to notice is that I don't, everybody, Claudio, did look like the professional wrestler. <laughs> Everything else looked like a fight that I could walk into my balcony and see right now, which I, I trust me, I love that. But there's something about Claudio that I always really <laughs> like. And Moxley right now just seems to be you live in a dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> I, I live in a dangerous place too. Anyways, um, the, 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 the Moxley is not really doing much right now. I do think a tag team run could probably benefit him. The, 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 the world championship picture is stacked right now, right? We're doing something different with, I don't know, there's like 80 championships there. But this is the first time that he's just like on a run, not after a championship. So why not a tag team run? Like, I wouldn't mind seeing it. So yeah, I will pick I will pick Claudio and Mox. They're more my type. 
uh, Mike Martin with what might be the uh, the comment of the night says Dax relates to the average guy because he's heavy set hairy and gives the average guy hope. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, so, uh, oh, by the way, Dylan trying to take it, I guess, says Moxie's scared of the Puerto Rican street cats. <laughs> the Puerto Rican street cats. Listen, we've heard some fights on the background of my streets. They don't play. Hey, Mox likes to bleed. I think he'd fit right in. <laughs> Um, I Moxley had some crazy matches in Puerto Rico, like when he was doing the the hardcore run. He was, it was. Listen, we don't need to get into that. But Moxley did come here and and play in the, you know, hardcore wrestling was born here, basically. So of course Moxley would have done his run here. Makes perfect sense. And tally ho to you, Gary Richards. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got Renee Paquette speaking with Orange Cassidy, and she runs through his schedule, and it's been a doozy of a schedule. We then get Orange Cassidy versus Mike Bennett. Uh, OC gets the jump on the Undisputed Kingdom by knocking out Taven first. Mike Bennett basically controls and beats up OC for most of the match until OC gets back into it and wins. Post-match, there's an attack that's stopped by Jake Hager. Uh, Issa, this is continuing the story. Why? Why? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. You were going to give me how is it continuing the story. Please enlighten me. Yeah, it's continuing (laughs) the story because the Undisputed Kingdom is trying to wear out Orange Cassidy before the match with Roderick Strong at Revolution. So they're putting him in all these matches. They're trying to beat him up. They're trying to wear him down. Um, and I think Why that Mike. Ben, I thought Mike Bennett was made great, but... the save. Have we ever even seen these two interact ever? Can I give you a? Can I give you a a solid reason for why he was there? Sure, Jack. Please. One, it's his hometown. Two, he's facing Roderick Strong on Rampage, and three, he has history with Undisputed Kingdom member Wardlow. So that is kind of baked in. None of this makes any sense for him to want to save Orange Cassidy. None of it. I I'm just tired. I'm tired of like always seeing the same people in the first like 40 minutes of freaking you know, too. You know, you just like six degrees of seven bacon, an entire plot line for uh, <laughs> for that to make for it to make sense. Okay. It works though, right? No, it doesn't. Listen, you need a cork board with pins and yarn. That's how you make this work, folks. You just pin, <laughs> right. You put pins and yarn like the, the little uh, GIF where. Um, but Hager, uh, like I said, there's some, there's some stuff there and it's selling at the very least, Matt, we're selling rampage. Everyone says, you got to give me a reason to watch rampage. Here's a reason to watch rampage. See how this continues. That's fair. Is it not? It's always kind of cool how like the matches they've planned for rampage, uh, are set up perfectly right before they happen. You know? Um, (laughs) yeah, as far as this whole thing, the issue really is that no one really cares about the Undisputed Kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one really cares. They they're not credible. Taven and Bennett, they didn't spend any time building those guys up after being kind of clowns and being guys who lost all the time. And now we're supposed to take them seriously? Dude, Matt Taven had a great match last week. Great match. I could give a crap about it before it started. You know, they had to really bring me in. And now Bennett, how has Bennett been presented on Ring of Honor and... WWE TV. If you're Tony Khan, you assume everybody watches all wrestling. You know who Mike Bennett is. How has he been presented? Why why should we take him seriously? You know, and and no one's really caring about the Roddy Strong thing. I think if they're gonna keep United Kingdom around, Roddy needs to win though. Other I mean, it's this thing is dying. I, I said last week 
I love all the pieces of the Undisputed Kingdom, and I agree. I think Matt Taven like showed he is, could be a star. I think Matt Mike Bennett is someone who, if you've seen him before, you know he can definitely be a star. But the Undisputed Kingdom as a whole, and we'll talk about this in a little bit once we get to Wardlow, but for now, just as a... It feels like AEW's pivoted from what they were doing to something new. And there was rumors and talk about that, but I don't know anything about that. That's just what I see on Twitter, that they're pivoting. And it feels like Undisputed Kingdom is one of the things that is like a leftover from the old way of doing things that now just feels out of place and doesn't feel like it really fits in anymore. And I I, I like these guys, but I agree with you that this... I, I don't know if it really fits in with what where they're going. Like, in a world where Samoa Joe is the champion and you've got Swerve and you've got page and you've got wardlow and yeah it's death all, it's, it's death jack farmer it is like, it is box office poison it is it is just terrible and it needs to go away like okada should debut by just destroying this faction it's it really and again like i like it, it's one of those things that i would feel okay and maybe again we'll talk about it in a second because i think it might be we might be alluding to it a little bit I'd be okay if they just stopped wearing the shirts and the kingdom was the kingdom and Wardlow was Wardlow. I would be okay if they just stopped. Well, that's what I mean. Like if, if the kingdom just was like, Hey, we're a tag team. We're the kingdom. And Wardlow was just Wardlow and Roderick strong was just Roderick strong. And we kind of just pretended like it was over because Matt and, and Issa, well, Issa, either of you, I, I feel like you're dead in the water when your leader is injured. I mean, it's no one's fault, but like, so here's the thing okay adam cole extremely talented extremely charismatic he if you you know ran into him on the street you you might not think he would be where he is in wrestling although he is he's very charismatic right he has to work his character to sell someone who looks like him as being credible and a threat he has to sell it in the ring with how he talks with how he moves with his swagger and now he's got to come to the ring in a chair with a cast. It, it defines him down so much and it loses all those things that he needs to do to keep himself this exciting performer that he is because of his gifts. It kills his gifts having to sit in that chair and it has made them um, flipping TV, you know, flip the channel TV. Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot to... It's a tough spot for him to be in. Like I said, I, as far as the Undisputed Kingdom goes, that's a group that, again, I like the pieces. I just don't think them being together makes them better. Uh, Orange Cassidy, my last thing on this is uh, I'm a big Orange Cassidy fan. I do feel like it's a little anti his character to work this hard, though. Like, the whole point is that he doesn't work hard. And so him doing these, he's flying everywhere, working really hard. I think that's the opposite of who he is. Uh, Issa, would you like to see Orange Cassidy change his character? Would you like to see him just become a hardworking workhorse guy? If he could at least start selling, that would be a great start. Matt, you 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 look like you had something to say about that. Would you like to see Orange Cassidy just become like, hey, I'm no longer the lazy guy, I'm the workhorse? No, because that's the guy we have to believe he is. Because the guy that we we don't believe that the guy on screen is the real guy. We believe there's a guy who's doing that as a psychological move as a wrestler 
You know, we can't believe that that's that guy. So once in a while, the real guy can come out, you know, and uh, it doesn't hurt the characters. Just creates a more well-rounded character. So really small thing. Uh, not sure how much to take from it, but Cool Hand Ange and Ruby so- uh, yeah, Ruby Soho are going on a date. Uh, Issa, I thought this was very cute. I don't know if I think the scheduling makes sense when they're scheduling their date during work hours. I mean, you, Tony Khan. You, were, you wear suspenders to your dates? This, uh, I wear suspenders all the time underneath my t-shirt. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's cute. I'm rooting for him. Just as a silliness, I think it's funny. It was that, cute. Like, it was cute. I, I can't imagine if you worked at like uh, like at the post office. You're like, hey, I'm going on a date during work hours. Bye, boss. <laughs> I've got a date. Um, like I said, I don't know. Uh, Matt, do you think this is the kind of thing that's going to help Ruby Soho and Cool Hand Ange uh, get, um, I guess, uh, get the audience to attach to them beyond just being wrestlers? Sure. Why not? You know, I mean, it, it's character work. Uh, we'll see how it works out. You know, and um, as far as those two scheduling it during work hours, I'm going to say if like the last year has shown anything, is that they were both going to be free at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Ooh, that's cold. Cold, I mean, cold, they cold hand on. mat is what we're calling yeah, They <laughs> haven't been on. I mean, this has um, been an angle that's played forth on Rampage, you know, so it's a good thing for them because they put it on Dynamite because now it looks like they believe in it a little bit. So good on them. Um, well, we had, uh, this is where I thought things got pretty interesting. I know some people have some strong feelings about Ric Flair, but he, Ric Flair shows up, uh, and he's mad that he hasn't been more involved. He mentions he hasn't been on in weeks. He thought he was going to be a part of everything going down with Sting. Um, and he's not mad at Sting, but he's going to look into some other options, Matt. And some of those options are the EVPs, the Young Bucks. I love this development. It, to me, adds just a little bit more personal vibe to this. And we'll talk about the promo right, uh, from Sting and Darby right after this. But to me, I thought this was an excellent way to add a little more fuel to the fire of the Young Bucks versus Sting. Yeah, um, but, it I mean, what's it going to lead to? If he's with the Bucks now, that means the payoff is him turning on the Bucks and rejoining Sting as opposed to turning on Sting and joining the Bucks, which would be awesome. I, I think I pitched this a couple of weeks ago on Wrestling Inc. that I'd like to see Flair with the Bucks and, like, imagine the Bucks walking out with that energy drink, you know, and imagine, you know, the kind of heat that would get. Um, it was sudden. It was instant. It was a character shift. It was un... You know, uh, there was no reason for us to believe it was going to happen. <laughs> and so it's kind of an AEW shift, you know, AEW plotline move well i where i believe it I, I thought he actually did a great job of selling us on like look I, you haven't even had me here i was supposed to be a part of this this was supposed to be i was supposed to be side by side with staying and you haven't had me here in five weeks i thought that was a good way of using reality he hasn't been on uh and i like the fact that they've made him a bad guy because frankly there's a lot of people who weren't super pumped he was back so now we're allowed to boo him and it it works out uh isa do you like seeing rick flair aligning with uh, the executive vice presidents, uh, Nicholas and Matthew. Yeah, I just want to make one thing clear. I did not understand a word that, that Ric Flair said. The whole promo. Oh, you got to use subtitles. I, I have subtitles on for That's everything. That's all I heard. So I don't even think a 
somebody that transcripts professionally could have figured this out. However, when he walked to the door and the door opened, I was immediately intrigued and interested. I think this is a great idea. I want to see where it goes. It's uh, Matt, I agree with you. I think the writing is on the wall that Rick will turn on the Young Bucks. But at the same time, in many ways, it's similar to, I would relate it to a lot of what WWE has done with like Cody Rhodes over the past year. We're like, I see it coming, but I'm going to enjoy it when it happens. You know, when Ric Flair hits one of them in the uh, yam bags, as Taz would say, I'm going to love it. I'm going to be like, this is great. Um, so even though I see it coming, I'm going to like it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be like, oh, Ric Flair, he's still a dirty dog to the last minutes. You know, uh, a great Ric Flair turn on Sting. I could have had that in my life again. I, I, I could use that in my life again. You know, um, but the way they're doing it now, it's kind of taking the steam out of it. I'm not, I don't have confidence. That, I don't have confidence that what they're going to do is going to be cool or entertaining or compelling or memorable. Well, I am, I've, I've actually, I, they have turned me to really enjoying this thing. And by the way, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Majestic Marie. I see your comment on the super chat on Wardlow. I'm going to save that for when we get to the Wardlow bit. Uh, so we can just seamlessly chat about that. Um, but we got a, we got Darby and Sting, and it's a great recap video showing what the Young Bucks did to Sting and to Darby and to his kids. And then we get to Darby, and he's showing us photos of Sting's kids when they were the same age as the Darby Young said, Bucks. Look at this kids. photograph. That's how the <laughs> That's <laughs> if they had, if you know, that seems like something that Tony Khan would have paid the rights for to play that song, but. Uh, Sting comes out and he cuts just an emotional promo about his dad passing and uh, says that the Young Bucks have a fight on their hands. Issa, last week we talked about how AEW needs to utilize recaps to remind us more. And it felt like they heard us because they showed us the video. They remind us of how important this was. And dang, if people said there wasn't any story or emotion to this match going into it, I felt like Sting, at the very least, mm. made this something that felt very personal. Yes, I'm with you on that. I, I actually thought about it immediately because remember I watched last week after not watching for a week and felt a little bit lost. And I remember seeing the video package going, oh, I finally get to see how the Young Bucks had that dirty you know, suit last <laughs> week. Just this week after it happened. Right. But at least I got to put it together. Um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed the promo from Sting. It felt very real. Um, I'm, everybody's invested in revolution because of Sting. I don't even think they needed to try, right? There's the one thing that I don't even think they needed to try with is Sting's last match. That's all you could have advertised and you could have gotten away with putting anything out there. So the fact that they're really trying to put together a story here and give us something, I feel very invested. I'm not watching revolution just because it's his last match. I'm actually invested in this. And a lot of it has to do with obviously what we talked about, the Young Bucks changing things around because they were so much of the same for so long. But yeah, I absolutely love this promo and I thought it was it was excellent. Yeah, this will be the third time I've tuned in to watch Sting's last match. We'll see how it plays out this time around. Um uh, when he said his last match with TNA, I, I it was emotional, Matt. <laughs> but then I was like, I can't believe that's the last time I'm ever going to sting wrestle. And here we are like 10 years later. And I'm like, I can't believe Revolution will be the last time 
I'm a sucker, Matt. Maybe that's why I like wrestling so much. I fall for it every time. I'm a rube. But uh, how did you feel? Uh, you got it. You had to like Sting's promo. Come on. You got to give that one uh, an A+. plus. In a sense, uh, Jack Farmer, it was beautiful. Because Sting is not a guy who always wanted to be a wrestler. Sting was an athlete. And even as his career went along, we always heard that Sting wasn't emotionally involved in the wrestling business. Sting was, you know, it was his, it was just the way he made his living. But he's not this wrestling guy, you know what I'm saying? And as he gets older and older, as he gets closer to his retirement that's just coming up, he makes his final gift to wrestling. He gives the reality of his father's death in this promo. Sting went full circle with wrestling in this promo. It was the most I've ever connected with Sting's eyes through the camera. And it may have taken him a career to get there. But goddamn, man, that guy, uh, that was a beautiful thing. And people will remember that promo forever. Yeah, it was, I, I think this was really I mean, one of the moments of the night, and I don't know how you can top it just because I how love that Matt brought that up because I felt the same way. This is the first time that I ever felt like I was connecting with something that Sting was saying. It was like incredible. It was the eye contact. It was the realness that he brought into it. There was something there, but I never felt like I could relate or connect to what he was saying tonight. Just hit. It was very good. And this is a Sting's guy one who, of my all-time favorites. So I've I've been a fan of his for a while. And, so. and this is a guy who, in his height, you know. Uh, was criticized for struggling, you know, during promos and stuff like that. And then later on, he kind of figured out kind of like his thing that he could just kind of do most times. And this was unlike anything ever. And it, like I said, I feel like this was his gift to wrestling that he goes, okay, I'm all in. I'm going to give all of me, take all of wrestling and let it intertwine. Talk about my dad's death and my kids and look you straight in the eye and connect with you. I don't, he's never done it like that before for me. And I think it was perfect. Yeah. Staying again. So, so what, it needs to still be seeing layers to him, right? Because, Jack, you just said he's been your favorite forever. He's, well, he's not my one, favorite. He's one of your favorites. Um, but yeah. he's like the fact that we can still see a whole new layer, a whole new something that we haven't seen from him after all of these years, very commendable ironically i was always a huge nwo guy like i'm big like that that was my 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 favorite time in wrestling is being a, a big nwo fan and he was the so i actually kind of hated him for most of my uh for a long time because he was the enemy of the nwo but as you get older and you now that i'm older i can look back and appreciate him being the foil to my favorites i'm like oh he was actually really good because every time he's in a match it's like come on you gotta beat that guy you know because it was cool to be an NWO fan. It was, you, it was opposite world back in those days. It's so. really funny because I don't remember who I was talking about, but I used the, I like, they're not one of my favorites, but I like to see my favorites go against them. And I can't remember who I was mm -hmm. talking about, but I always feel like it takes two to tango. A lot of these angles, a lot of these wrestlers that we love, there's always that, that iconic feud, that iconic person that just brought out the best in them that you might think they're not one of my favorites, but your favorite wouldn't be a favorite without that person which is what you just explained yeah i would say triple h is probably one of my favorites for that reason is i feel like mm -hmm. so many people who we consider some of the greatest is because he was the guy across yeah. of course rick it's, flair it's is like compliment and people guy. don't get it when i say i want to see my favorites go against them it's not a bad thing that means they're going to elevate like it's going to be a crazy storyline yeah. 
Um, Wayne with a very confusing comment here. Uh, Jack doesn't understand wrestling is fake. I, if you could please explain a little bit. Um, I'm sorry, wrestling is fake. Yeah. Um, next, this is this was. I think no this way. next segment was probably the part that made me like feel joy as watching a TV show the most, and that was Daniel Garcia comes out. He's getting a TNT title shot against Christian Cage due to the injury to Adam Copeland. Cuts a fiery promo thanking the fans for standing with him. Christian Cage comes out and says Garcia is worthy, but he's not ready because he's too busy dancing. And of course, his dad died. And that means that Christian Cage wants to be Garcia's new dad. Uh, and Garcia says, hey, if you want to talk about dead relatives, I'll put you in the ground right next to him, which I thought was a killer line. Uh, and then... Garcia takes out Nick Wayne and then magic daddy, Matt Menard comes out and takes out a Lucha uh, kill switch. Matt, how dare you shake your head at this? This was such a fun time. I love this. This was the greatest. I felt so much joy watching this. I'm a huge Daniel Garcia fan. I've been saying he's going to be a star someday. I've got big things in mind for this guy. And I thought this was, I thought everyone came off looking great except for kill switch. You know, this is a place where the reason I shook my head is because this might have been a place where it might have made more sense to have Jake Hager come in, you know. Um, but uh, it was good, it was good. Daniel Garcia, um, in maybe in my opinion, perhaps, uh, if AW didn't do more with him, he might have been on his way out and might have been looking at other places, you know. That's just a guess and an opinion, and it looks like. They're giving him some stuff now, and he's someone who the people in the company like a lot. The other wrestlers respect a lot. Uh, he's the kind of guy that it does good for a company to show that they're going to put him in a good position. Uh, yeah, Carl uh, saying, "I'm have I'm loving how Garcia is being developed." Um, I've always felt that uh, Matt Menard is just a treasure uh, as far as a personality goes. And whenever he's on the microphone, he's funny. He's cracking me up. Uh, so I'm glad to see he's getting this moment. And like I said, I had, I'll be honest, I had a, a moment when he came out of nowhere and hit kill switch. I was like, magic daddy's there to protect Daniel Garcia. Uh, Isa, I know you are a Christian Cage fan. Uh, and I know this just because I know you well enough to know you're a Christian Cage fan. Uh, Love Christian Cage. Am I? I know you're probably leaning towards Christian Cage. I know the story and everything. Like, Jack, the story is Adam Copeland's going to win the title. I know that's the story, but I want Daniel Garcia to win the title. I want. I'm. I'm. I am rooting for Daniel Garcia. There, I said it. Good for you, but he's not winning. He's not winning. Christian Cage is the best thing AEW has had for a while. Um, does he need the title? Not necessarily, but I do think it adds to the whole uh, spectacle of Christian Cage right now. I, I feel like there are some moments that as wrestling fans, it's very hard to explain to people why we do or why we are the way that we are. And the way that we pop every time this man says, your father's dead. I feel so crappy, but at the same time, I can't help but to pop. Like, like you see Christian come out to cut a promo, and you're Googling these people's parents just to see if he can just hit at that. And it's insane that he has gotten that over in a way, right? But that is one of those things that I'm like, yeah, I can't explain this. Like, he's just, he's just me. Um, I think Daniel Garcia is good that he's getting the opportunity. I don't think that he's going to be the one to defeat Christian Cage. However, uh, 
Christian Cage promo was my favorite thing. And I did love that line where he said, I'll put you right in the ground with him. If you Google the address that uh, Christian Cage dropped, it takes you to a graveyard, just for the record. <laughs> because at first I'm like, why yeah. are we doxing people, right? Like the first thing I'm screaming, I'm like, why are we doxing people? I like, don't do that. Uh, yeah, it takes you to a graveyard. <laughs> um, dox in the graveyard then. Um, Matt is... Uh... If you I know the, the story. Dead, is that illegal? Is it illegal to dox the dead? Um, I don't know. Um, okay. Matt, am I crazy for being this high on Daniel Garcia? Do you think Daniel Garcia could be the guy? I think he could be a absolute like world champion at a major company. He's right. 25 now. So, I mean, I'm not saying today, but I mean, I think he could get there. He absolutely can. Uh, he is great. I love Daniel Garcia and how young he is and how good he is and how much emphasis he puts on the things about wrestling that I like, you know. Um, mm -hmm. As far as Edge, you know, uh, you were talking about Edge earlier, and a lot of talk about Edge and his success in AEW, and I think he might just be on the wrong seat on the bus of success. And I think maybe by him maybe turning and joining with Christian, you know, turning on Garcia and joining with Christian, Edge... Yeah, Edge is definitely could be the number one heel. He could be the thing that AEW's always needed is someone to root against because he's so strong in that way. It's much stronger than, oh, wow, look, it's Adam Copeland. It, he is really good at that, and I think that could just really uh, be something that helps elevate AEW if he does that. Are you sure? He tried, to, he tried that a little bit in WWE, and I don't think it worked out that well for him. Do you think you'd risk it again with him? I think it was, I think it was going okay. Like, um, I just think the booking was terrible that they had Vince, yeah. you know? So like, yeah. it, you know, I mean, just think about your favorite edge moments on the mic. Think about your favorite edge moments. It's him being a bad guy and he's great at it. And he, nobody in the AW can do it like him. I you mean, know, he's like you can have Christian, the father and Adam Copeland, the mother lover. That's the gimmick. The, it will be incredible. Mother lover. Mother lover. It will be amazing. <laughs> uh, that's a shirt that would sell, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> uh, we have uh, two women's matches. Uh, Tony Storm versus Sydney Winnell, which is very quick with Tony Storm getting a dominant win using Diana uh, Perrazzo's move. Deanna Perrazzo comes out, chases off Storm, and then has a match with Madison Rain, where she uses uh, Tony Storm's break-a-leg move to win. Um, the, the pros, Issa, what I love about this, two women's matches, uh, what I love about this is that the story of them using each other's moves, but also I, what I love about this, Deanna Perrazzo and Madison Rain have a long history, as does Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm. So it kind of ties together. What I hate about this is it felt like they tried to rush through these two women's matches as fast as they could. Yeah, I'm with you. If we're going to start with the positive, seeing two women's matches in the show, I was shook, right? Um, however, they were at the same time spot and they gave them the exact same amount they always gave the women. They just put the pie, right? Um, I am mm -hmm. happy that we have a match with a long storyline going into Revolution. Not just their history. Tony and Diana have been going at it since Diana debuted. It just feels 
like they have spent some time making this happen. But yeah, the match was in the same spot. I think Tony was the, out there for about three minutes and Diana's was seven minutes, 10 minutes at 9.30. Nothing really changed there. It was a very scary spot in that Diana and Madison Rain match where it just looked like she, like Madison got dropped on her head and I hope she's okay. I haven't had time to go on social media to look. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously freak accidents happen. These are two very talented women. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see the two women's matches there. I, I see it's just such little progress and you take one step forward to take 10 back because of, yeah, I'm going to put two matches on the women tonight, but this is how you do it. It also doesn't feel when you put a match on the beginning of the show that goes to a timed draw, a half hour. So you see, you see, I'm, I know people are going to say I'm nitpicking, but it's, they kind of like put themselves in this position too. Yeah. Um, Matt, again, I feel like there are positives to take away. I think I think they did well with the time they had. Again, like a lot of people would like to see more time, but hopefully, as we talked about at the top, someone might help that happen in the future. Any just takeaways on this? I feel like there wasn't a lot of X's and O's to break down here, but uh, thoughts? Well, first of all, uh, Deanna and uh, Tony Storm have put the AEW women's division in a very good place right now, and it feels like a very credible place to be. And um, they, their feud's been amazing. <clears throat> but I've been thinking a lot about this, uh, this Mercedes thing, you know? And, like, when Mercedes debuts, if they debut her, I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. Um, if they debut her, like, oh, look, Mercedes here, she's a big star, that's not going to work. They've done it before. That fades very quickly. If they present them with an angle where there's a match where you care about the outcome, like you really want Mercedes to win or lose this particular matchup. It's that compelling. I think that's where you go. So how do you do that in AEW? Like there's nobody who can hold up really. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> I thought about this way too much. So here's, you know, I like to yeah. have fantasy book. Here's a little fantasy book yeah. right here. Sasha makes her debut. Mercedes. Uh, sorry. Yes. Mercedes makes her debut. Is in the middle of the ring. Tony Storm comes out and starts cutting a promo. Uh, Deanna comes out and starts cutting a promo on both of them. Suddenly, Tony Storm and Deanna attack Mercedes, and they're together. Their friendship rekindled. Those two together could probably stand up to the star power of Mercedes. One of them is tough, but I like the idea of having a couple of them, especially them two right now, being someone who give Mercedes a feud because they'll always have an unfair advantage. Yeah, I know we're we're booking before we know whether or not she's actually signed with AEW. I'm a big I don't believe it till I see it on my TV screen person. So um, I've I've been following wrestling on Twitter too long. I don't believe it till I see it actually happen. So, but I do think you're in I, I call it like a Jade Cargill situation with Mercedes Monet, where she's almost too big of a star to do anything other than be the champion. So if she comes in and wins the title right away, well, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like now she has nowhere else to go. There's nothing to really follow. But at the same time, we don't want to see her messing around with like a bunch of unranked people or, or you know, people who aren't on TV that often. That's that's not going to work either there. So I agree with you, Matt, that they need to do something. They need to have something ready so that she has like a a row of people to go through before getting to that eventual title shot. Uh, Issa, do you obviously we don't have a lot of time between now and uh what's it called like boss town showdown or something big, big business um uh 
what if you're at AEW and you're in this situation right now, what do you do to kind of get ready for a big signing like a Mercedes if that's what's happening? I mean, the rumors have it that she's been decided for a while now and they haven't really done anything for this. There's so many talented women in this division that we haven't seen in forever. I forgot who the TBS champion was today when I was trying to recall, like doing what Matt does, which is like fantasy book. I'm like, where do we put Mercedes? Like she's not TBS championship material, don't get me wrong, but I'm like, I don't even know who's in that division or what's going on there. Nothing against Julia Hart. I think she's great, but they haven't done anything with her since she won this title. I think she's working with Sky Blue. They have to put more women on television because there is, like he just said, I love the idea of Deanna and Tony Storm teaming up. I do. I think that could work. What are you going to do after that? There's nobody that could even come near the star power that Mercedes mm -hmm. will bring. And you haven't done anything to build anybody up. So they really going to have to start rushing and, and figuring this out fast. Hopefully this new hire helps. I don't know how you can do it, but they got to do it. A lot of people are saying Britt Baker and Mercedes, and I agree. No, I on think Soraya. I think Soraya and Mercedes have history. If you want to play with the real angles and all that, um, you know. But I think that's about it. That you can do that. People will be invested, and that can match star power. If you're not gonna pair up Tony and and Diana Parasso. I, I mean, I would say on paper I agree, but they haven't been on TV, so right. they're 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 all kind of ice cold right now. Is, right. Is yeah, the issue. That's that's the thing is that. I like Britt Baker, and but if we're talking a year and a half ago, that would be something else. But she needs to be built back up because she's been off TV. It's like when they WWE put Randy Orton against Brock Lesnar. You know, two guys who hadn't been around in like you know like a year. You know, it you mm -hmm. need to build up reasons uh, for things to happen. And Britt has lost a, a bit of her steam for being off TV so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so they have people that are great. Like I said before, they have a great women's division. It's just since we're not seeing them, they cool down so much that, you know, Thunder Rose is great, but I haven't seen her wrestle in so long. And they have a good undercurrent of younger wrestlers right now, you know, Willow and Sky mm -hmm. Blue and Julia Hart. You know, these are the, these are the future and will bolster the upper card of the women's division. It's not, it's not there yet, but it's going to happen. There is history uh, with Mercedes and Willow, but I don't know how many people that watch Dynamite would be familiar with, you know, that's how Mercedes got injured and has been out since that last match that she had with Willow. We would know, but I don't know that a lot of yeah. people would know that they might tune in to see Sasha. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. Yeah. I think it's uh, mm -hmm. Willow and Stokely. Uh, right, yeah. me too. Willow, Willow me too. and Stokely uh, when Mercedes comes in, and that's why they're doing it, because otherwise it makes no sense. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I, I thought so, too, especially with all the Stokely involvement. I, I, I had a feeling as well. Well, we'll have to see how that plays out. One thing that played out that I thought was very interesting, this was one of the more interesting moments of the night, was Wardlow comes out, threatens to knock out Tony Schiavone. He's upset. Uh, says he should have been champ by now, says he's basically wrecked everyone who's been champ before, uh, and then says, why aren't I the champ? Why aren't I getting shots? And I think he makes a really, really good point here. Um, Matt, this is where we talked a little bit about Undisputed Kingdom earlier. I noticed that Wardlow did not mention Undisputed Kingdom at all. And in fact, on Twitter, at Random Niches said, is it just me or was there not even one mention of Undisputed Kingdom during this promo? Could this be the beginning of putting Wardlow back on his own? Outside of him wearing the shirt, Matt, I don't think 
him being an undisputed kingdom mattered whatsoever in this promo. No, not at all. But if the inconsistency of it, though, if he goes in and goes out, you know, this was a uh, an addressing of an issue that definitely needed to be addressed. And I'm not sure if this was the exact 100% way to address it, but it wasn't bad. You know, uh, Warlow did pretty good. Um, uh, you know, but AEW, just, just a thought, think about your promos. Um, y'all had CM Punk there. You could have had, like, matches with him. But he's not there anymore. Like, he's not there. So the Bucks talking about him and Wardlow talking about him, he's not there. And he was there. It's like Darby last week starting a Cody chant. I was like, they got to stop doing this. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's not this damaging, terrible thing, the Cody thing and that thing. But what it is, it's a missed opportunity to use that energy somewhere else to help the company. In this case, I get where you're coming from. In this case, I do get it, though, because he, he was going through the previous champions. And so CM Punk was one of the previous champions. So I do get where that comes from. Um, it was I don't feel like it was just a stray bullet, like I'm going to take a shot at someone who's not here anymore. I think there was actually a reason for it. Um, Majestic Marie had a super chat, very patient, Issa, uh, said... Wardlow is the same as he was in Pinnacle. Adam Cole is treating him like MJF did. So his turn on MJF means nothing. Wardlow looks like an idiot. Uh, I disagree here. I feel like this, him coming out, to me, did not feel like someone who's being controlled by anybody. And that's kind of to kind of what I was saying earlier. I feel like he's not he's not posing in front of the the, the screen anymore. I think they've pivoted with him. I think they're bringing us the Wardlow that we've all wanted. What say you? Yeah, I did think that on Pinnacle, he was a lot more, you know, controlled, especially with MJF. Um, I, 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 because MJF introduced him as his worker, where it's different for him to be following instructions from Adam Cole as opposed to I'm going to follow MJF until I need to go on my own because he brought me in, right? So I did think that that workload was slightly different um, or had a better reason to be taking orders or, you know, MJF's crap because MJF brought him in. But mm -hmm. I did, I, I did, I like this promo. The problem is, like, why are you not cutting that promo in the middle of Samoa Joe swerving hangman? You know what I mean? Because, and I, and I feel like I'm going to do my best to sit back and wait because we're playing, we're building up Warlow for the world title picture, right? So you're doing what you're supposed to do. He's going to squash some people. He's going to have some decent matches. He's going to come out and cut some solid promos. That way, when he finally gets inserted in that, you are like, yeah, it's about time. He's been doing great, but it does feel like, it, to me, it was a little too long, and it does feel like, is it too late? I don't know. Like, why are you talking all this crap? Meanwhile, you're nowhere near the world title picture that you are supposed to be going after. He hasn't done anything to interact with any of the guys that are going after this match. So we'll see where it goes. But right now, Warlow is going through the process of trying to rebuild what they, what they messed up. Yeah, Matt, everyone, a lot of people are saying in the chat, um, by the way, Majestic Marie said she didn't see the interview. So uh, that, all that good, means, Majestic That Marie. means Marie was right. They addressed it, and she saw it too. Um, so a lot of people are saying, like, hey, they missed the boat with, with Wardlow. Hey, this too little too late is what um, Mark Smith is saying in the chat, uh, Matt. Now, this is, to Issa's point, we all see star power in Wardlow. We all want to see Wardlow do well. This is how you get him back. Now, obviously, there's some ground to make up. You got to go down the road still, but 
this was done right, right? Like this this was a good step in the right direction. Am I am I wrong there? It was a point in the right direction. You know, uh, they know where the issue is, and they realize there is one, and they realize there's potential to change it. You know, I would say with Wardlow, he had the the appearance and the veneer of untapped potential. That's what made him so appealing, you know. And now he has the, you know, the look of someone with maximized potential. So they need to make him a look again like he's someone who can capable of these great things once in a while. And also emotionally the same way. He used to be this kind of smoldering guy who on occasion would lose his mind and be crazy. And now he's crazy guy all the time. And um, maybe work on that a little bit and get a little more nuanced in his presentation. So, um, so yeah, I, I personally loved it. I thought he knocked it out of the park. Um, we got a couple promos that I didn't think they knocked out of the park. Everyone says I love everything, but I, I don't say I love everything. Two of them, I'm going to put them back to back. Bang, bang, scissor gang. Little dissension in the group there, but they're still working things out. Don Callis family. To catch the Osprey match is going to be great, but there's still going to be a family, and Hobbs is coming after Sammy Guevara, it seems. Uh, Issa, these are two other groups that, again, I like the pieces, but as groups, I just I feel like it's time for them to go their separate ways. It makes zero sense for your trios champions for both brands to just be hanging out together, scissoring. Uh, too much talent to just be just hanging out backstage together. I don't like it, so I'm, I'm over it. Yeah, Matt, I look at, um, I'm really disappointed with the Bang Bang Scissor Gang situation because, um, of course, the acclaim. That's, a, that, that's, super an, amazing, that's an amazing sentence. Uh, yeah. yeah the Bang Bang Scissor that should Gang be, situation is a uh, If we could have Wrestling Inc. change the title of this, this episode to, I'm disappointed with the Bang Bang Scissor Gang situation. Uh, but I know story-wise it wouldn't have made sense, <laughs> but really everything the Undisputed Kingdom is supposed to be. I felt like should have been the Bullet Club gold. They should be the big bad guys in AEW. Jay White is a custom-made supervillain for AEW. And now they're a joke. Acclaimed could have been one of the hottest tag teams in pro wrestling. And now they've been sort of thrown together for the sake of being thrown together. This is one of the things I'm really not a fan of. And Don Callis' family, you know, we talk about things that are hot right now. I like the group, but... I think even the group doesn't really know what they're doing. It says a lot when someone like you, Jack Farmer, the eternal optimist, <laughs> is so disappointed in the Bang Bang Scissor Gang situation. With, <laughs> with, 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 I'm not banging with, or scissoring. When it happens to you, <laughs> when it happens to you, you can't do either. You can't do both. So here's the thing. The idea probably was get these guys together and then they're going to have a feud over the, their titles, right? That makes sense to me. Yeah. But they were just like, they they didn't even build it. They were like, hey, y'all want to be the same club? They're like, cool, sweet, word, we're there. You know, uh, they had to build it up. But unfortunately, if they build it up, it'd be like three other plot lines that AEW's done. So they just threw them together. So now we're we're supposed to be upset when they get, you know, apart. But why would we care? Like, it's, it's a, much like the BCC, it's a complete... The sum is more than the uh, the sum is less than the whole of its parts situation. Yeah, Matt um, just changed everything for me because now I'm gonna start thinking if Jack Farmer hated it, then it's really bad. Like that, I'm gonna start using that for my measuring of how bad yeah. something really is. 
Yeah, and it's and again, I I want to be clear. I like like mess. I like the pieces. I like I, said, I think he's disappointed, Issa. It's not that he doesn't yeah. like disappointed. It. It's that, worse than right. being than hated. <laughs> he being had hope. He had I hope. Had and the hope you know when your crushed. parents hit you with yeah when your parents hit you with the I'm not mad I'm disappointed that is the that is the most crunching thing Levels. ever so Levels. yeah I don't that is, I don't I, know how I'm you so don't get disappointed that. when you have uh, people go hey we got a gang you want to join well what's the gang all about well about <laughs> you know we do two. yeah we cut promos backstage that's our no. thing that's what we do cut I promos just, I mean Jay White I think could be a world champion villain with the bullet club and the bullet club's already built in. Like it's, it's so right there. And like I said, acclaimed, I always say it's one of those groups. If you have a group or a, a, an act that no one else can duplicate and make, then you gotta, like you got something special and you can't copy what the acclaimed is. What a study in like how to take two things that were super hot and cool and you put them together and now it's like, blech. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's what what a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a study on kind of that mixology of things, you know? Um, yeah. That, you know, it, because apart, they were great. You put them all together, who cares? It's really interesting. And uh, it's one of those things AEW does. I got this delicious hot soup and this wonderful ice cold cola. I'm just, just going to dump one into the other <laughs> and see how it goes. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, um, I feel like there's a pineapple on pizza joke in here, but not you know what? Everything I'm, is chocolate and peanut okay. butter. Yeah. Not, so, yeah. And I think, I feel like Don Callis is a great villain manager, but also, but I just, it, I, I mean, the fact that they're having their the bad guys are fighting each other, but they're going to be friends afterwards is is enough to make you feel like yeah, yeah this clearly... I, I know we're running long, but like, yeah, Will Osprey is kind of a generational star. To have yeah. him debut, probably fighting the Callis family with Aussie Open or being part of the Callis family. Oh my God, what are they doing? Like they could reset the whole thing with Osprey there, and they're just going to like slide him in. And then he'll be like on rampage against Jeff Hardy in three weeks. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, but we do have uh, one last thing to talk about, and that is the six-man tag, Hangman Hook and RVD versus Samoa Joe Swerve and Brian Cage. Um, this one was kind of probably what you would expect it to be. It was it was anarchy. It was a mess. Um, I thought it was fun, but it was definitely one of those matches where we were kind of like, I just want to see how this ends and see where they go afterwards. And um, it ends with Samoa Joe holding the title and the two challengers kind of left defeated. Uh, Issa, any takeaways from this? Uh, yeah, it was just a main event that felt very random given the, the competitors in the match. Like it just felt like they, we used like some, somebody spun a wheel to figure out who was wrestling on what team. I don't know, but it was a fun way to get to see Hangman Swerve and Samoa Joe in action, you know, interacting with each other without putting them in, in a match against each other before Revolution. I thought mm-hmm. RVD looked great, um, you know, and yeah, I, I'm tired of the overrun. Um, yeah, Matt, uh, my favorite part about this was actually RVD wanting to know where Nana was so he could get a hookup. Uh, that was a fun, a fun little thing backstage, but uh, it felt like from a story perspective, what they were really trying to drive home is is Paige is kind of getting a little crazy 
and the the match it was fun, but it was definitely one of those, like, can they coexist on one side and let's see them have a match but not have a match situation. It Kind of, like I said before, not Shakespearean, but I get it, and I feel like I got what they were trying to do. Uh, Jack Farmer, you ever been to a WrestleCon Super Show? I haven't actually been to a WrestleCon Super Show. I want to go, though. This is a WrestleCon Super Show match. You know, this is a match like a legend and two guys that kind of fight each other, and then a surprise guy, and this guy, and 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 then they. I can't. These... I can't unsee it now. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, right? Like it's it's always really fun, by the way, you know. But it's like oh, super crap. random too. It's fun yeah, and random. Totally, totally random. It's like oh, it's RVD and 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 X Pack, you know. Like it's it's that that's <laughs> that's what it was. And then it's like okay, we're gonna have the fun spots. It was the. I never have in my life ever used the word indie-rific. In my life, this was indie-rific. It, it just, you know, it, so cool. AW's cool like that. They like it like that. The pacing of this show, you said earlier something about the placement of the Wardlow segment. The structure of this show was almost upside down. Yeah. Like, you, you got to do that FTR match at the end because that's the one that has the emotions involved, and that's the one that's going to get a little bit more bump from being at the end of the show and the fun six man at the beginning, you know? And, um, also, I don't know, man, like my stories, I like have good guys and bad guys. So like, they're all good guys, I guess is the thing. And like, hanging is kind of a bad guy, but we know he's a good guy. So I don't really care who wins, you know, it's just, you know, I just don't see anyone lose. You are right though. What I love about this is if you took someone who never watched AEW, and you put all six of these guys in a row and you said, can you match up which <laughs> who the teams are? I don't think anyone could match them up properly. No. If you, uh, you know, if you just intermixed them, RVD, Swerve, Brian Cage, Hook, um, Adam, yeah, Adam Page. Yeah, just if you, if you put them all together and said, which ones do you think were on the same team? I don't yeah. think they'd be able to get it. I don't think anyone would be able to guess it right. Ricochet, Dunk, uh, and uh, Doink the Clown, you know, yeah. Cactus Jack, Marty Jannetty. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just so... very glad that Jimmy had the night off because I don't know that he could have handled the refereeing that went on in this match. He probably would have just not be, he would have not been okay. Like, I would have actually would have loved to see Jimmy review this match. <laughs> in the tag match in the beginning, there's a part where Dax is crawling on his hands and knees to avoid the ref seeing him and to to get out of the ring before the count. And meanwhile, Claudio's standing right behind him. He's been in the ring for like a minute to do yeah. a, lo a low blow. It's like you enforce this and not that. The refereeing, oh, it's just not good. I'll say in the last match, in the main event, I guess the, going into it, I'll be, I, I wasn't really looking for a lot of a lot of the uh, the rules to be enforced. I was, this is going to be a, a whirlwind of stuff. Right. Until... I just don't want to feel that way. Like, you should, I don't know. I will say, though, I wonder with the pacing thing that you brought up, I wonder the enjoyment of the show will be different if we learn how to pace it. Maybe that is the nitpick that could change because I do feel that. You felt exhausted after that first match. And it just like from there, by the time you get to the main event, you're like, oh, my God, is it over? And, and, and it was now that we review it segment by segment, maybe it wasn't it wasn't as good as Jack put it. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I, I thought it, it was either going in. But yeah, the pacing of the show just it's just weird for me. I feel like I I feel drowned halfway through the show. 
And, and of course, I will say- uh, the, the time limit draw is the reason they had it at the beginning, because if you have the time limit draw at the end, it, it usually gives it away, just the, the timing of when the show ends. Yeah, but it can know? be quite draining to an audience. To yeah. like oh, sit there sure. through a match for that sure. long and then not finish, and then oh, we're gonna run it again at the pay per view. Then you just wasted a half hour. It is very draining. You know, I thought it, it wasn't a match, so I get why it wasn't at the end. But I thought the Garcia uh, Cage thing was the, similar to last week. I felt like that moment. I of... always wants the end to be a Christian Cage segment. I, I do like him holding the title, seeing the two good guys chasing off the bad guys, and him kind of like, "How dare you beat my." my son, Nick Wayne, and my other son, Kill Switch. I feel like that had an end-of-the-show vibe to it, personally. Yeah, but, uh, but also, like, Edge and Garcia, I like them both a lot, but they died in the in the ratings last week. Uh, Mox yeah. and, Mox and uh, Dax killed it in the first... Mm-hmm. They held the audience, you know, from Big Bang Theory through the first half hour, and then it dropped, like, 120,000 for Garcia was, and, and Edge. It was crazy you know, th- last week. Yeah. They need to, and I know they do. I know they obsess I put about that these on things. Copeland. You know, just, oh yeah, it's just, just it's joking. all about presentation. I'm joking. He already blocked me. Um, I don't know why. I'm very positive. I like Copeland. You got blocked I'm, by by Adam Copeland. I don't know why. I, I'll never know why he blocked me. I I've never said anything but nice things about him, and I still say nice things about him. Did you talk but, about his hair? I didn't talk about his hair. I'm always okay. very respectful about hair. <laughs> uh but we we've gone a little long in the tooth let's wrap this one up uh as we go around i want to say thank you to everyone who has joined us and been with us uh and chatted with us again like comment share subscribe before we go uh matt where can the world find you online and uh, what were your overall final thoughts on this week's event it was fine not a new fan was earned but old fans were pleased and um, at Matt Coon Music on Twitter. And Issa, how about yourself? Yeah, I thought it was mid. It was mid to me. Um, but not everything was bad. There were some enjoyable things. And NYC Demon Diva across all social platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch Elimination Chamber live with me. Bring your silky pajamas. Bring some breakfast and coffee. So, yes, that should be a fun. Uh, we'll see. It's 2 a.m. for me here on the West Coast. I don't know. If 6 a.m. for me. 6 a.m. for me. That's rough. That's rough. But It's uh, terrible. It's the, I'd rather be at 2 a.m. because then I just stay up. The 6 a.m. time spot is actually terrible for me. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it, but I feel like once, like, 1 o'clock rolls around, I'm going to be looking at, like, but that means I'm not going to bed until, like, 4 a.m. Yeah, might... Jack. That's, you, aren't you a DJ? What time do your I'm weddings gonna, end? I'm going to. I turn into a pumpkin after 12. <laughs> um, so you can find me at real. I thought it was a great, by the way, I enjoyed it. I may be an old fan, but I still had a good time. Uh, you can disappointed check me out. as and disappointed as you might've been as in, in bang, 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 scissor, scissor gang and, and a, a few of the things still not super happy about everything. I don't like everything. Be my new favorite segment, uh, like sentence ever. <laughs> um, you can follow me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media on Sunday if you can stay up for it. Uh, I am going to be doing commentary for Prestige Wrestling. It's going to be live on IWTV. Got some great matchups. We got Mustafa Ali going against Mike Bailey. We've got Kashida on there. We've got Jordan Grace on there. Chris Sabin. We got a bunch of great folks. Tiger Mask is going to be. I'm going to call a Tiger Mask match. That's insane to me. Uh, so that'll be really fun. 
Make sure to check that out and make sure to follow at Wrestling Inc. for all of your wrestling news. And make sure to be here on Friday when we cover SmackDown right after that show. The road to WrestleMania continues there and the road to Revolution continues here. We'll see you. I'm hitting end stream now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.